Welcome to another episode of the Swamp 247 Podcast. I'm your host, Graham Hall, joined by my co-host, Jacob Rudner, where we are going to have a little bit of a combined episode due to the Thanksgiving break here. We're going to talk about Florida's loss on the road in devastating fashion at Missouri a week ago. Actually, what, four days ago now. And we're going to talk about the Gators' upcoming contest, Senior Night against Florida State, a game that has lost a little bit of its luster due to the injuries to both quarterbacks, Jordan Travis and Florida's Graham Mertz. But before we get into that preview of the final regular season game of of this 2023 campaign, we have got to talk about how Florida ended up suffering its fourth consecutive loss of the season. Florida looked as if they were going to beat the number nine ranked team in the country late in Columbia, Missouri, when Trey Smack converted a go-ahead field goal to put Florida up 31-30 over the Tigers. There were a few clock decision gaffes, I think you could say, in the end there that Florida didn't take as much time off the clock as they could have, gave the Tigers too much time to drive down the field, and Florida could not get not one but two stops, one on third and eight in that fourth and 17 call that we are going to talk a little bit more about on this episode and the Tigers win it. Jacob was there in Columbia. Jacob, just let's just dive right into it. We'll start with the injury to Graham Mertz um, and what Florida was able to do after he exited the game with what has been now uh, revealed to be a non-displaced fracture to his collarbone. Max Brown was able to orchestrate the offense, lead them down the field. Uh, it wasn't perfect, far from it. Absolutely. But Florida was able to take a late lead. Just what did you see from that late game offense by the Gators after Graham Mertz exited? And we'll talk a little bit about his injury here as well. Yeah, you know, I would call this one of the thinnest silver linings of the season, but a silver lining nonetheless. And I think that Max Brown came into that game and looked solid. I think the way that you put that was really fair. Was it perfect? Far from it. Uh, There was a turnover in which he, he didn't complete a handoff. Billy Napier, even after the game, who, by the way, you know, Billy Napier very rarely will put something on the players after a mistake. Uh, And and he pretty unequivocally said that he didn't even understand how it's possible that that handoff uh, went awry. But I will say this, you know, all things considered, it's his first real snaps against a real opponent in his collegiate career. Uh, Ran the ball what I thought was quite well, especially on those option plays, which I'm certain we're going to see a ton of against Florida State. Uh, He finished the game, you know, reasonable. It was, it was a reasonable day. Max Brown, seven rushes for 42 yards. Uh, he helped Trevor Etienne get into the end zone uh, with a, with a very well executed option play completed four or five passes for 56 yards. Am I coming onto the show here, Graham, to say that Max Brown has emerged as the next Gator superstar quarterback and, you know, all is well in Gainesville and that Florida has a real shot, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, to, to, to beat Florida state. No, I'm not saying that, but but I am saying that I I was impressed by the Gators' backup quarterback. He showed a lot of poise when he came into that game. Uh, it was a clean enough performance for me, uh, and I would say that if you're a Florida fan and you're looking for things to you know give you a little bit of hope going into a game against number five FSU, who also does not have its superstar starting quarterback, uh, this could be one of them. I, I you know again I think it comes down to uh, what Max Brown will look like against a well-performing defense at this point in the season that's dealing with a couple of injuries, but still certainly, uh, you know, a unit that has played well enough to earn the number five spot in the country. Uh, and and what will that look like? How creative can Billy Napier be? 
you know, I, I, one of the things that comes to mind for me at this point is, is will Florida have to simplify at this point in order to give Max Brown the best shot at being successful? How well versed is he on the playbook? Uh, Graham, I'm sure you remember before the season, we had plenty of conversations with Billy Napier who said one of the things that Max Brown needed to brush up on or to improve on just with time was his scheme fluency. And Florida commented over the offseason, this is a guy who's gotten a lot better relative to where he was at last year, but it's still not SEC starting quarterback or Florida, Florida State starting quarterback caliber scheme fluency. And so uh, I am curious to see exactly what that looks like uh, in a full setting over 60 minutes. Uh, I will say this as well, and I think it's worth noting, uh, you know, Max Brown is a really gifted runner for the quarterback position. We saw that against Missouri, which actually happens to be a great rushing defense. They were allowing 3.7 yards per carry entering play that day. Max Brown looked really successful against them. Could he do it again against Florida State? Maybe, but where I am uh, intrigued entering this matchup is whether or not Florida will choose to utilize Michael Leon in any capacity at all. And whether that's because Brown ends up struggling a little bit, which by the way, I don't think is you know an indictment of him or his preparation. This is a young, inexperienced quarterback who really has been thrown directly into the, into the fire. I'll use a term Billy Napier likes, and that is that he's drinking from a fire hose at the moment. Uh, and that doesn't always go well. And so you know, if he stumbles, does Florida turn to its seventh-year senior, Michael Leon, the walk-on, uh, who we have heard good things about, Graham? Maybe. Uh, I, don't, I don't really know at this point. I would imagine that it's, it's mostly Max Brown, uh, at least in the early going of this contest, and we'll see where it goes. But uh, this is an intriguing game. I, you know, both teams are kind of in a weird spot at the quarterback position, and you know, of course, Florida is, is no exception to that. I'm, I'm curious to see how this goes. Yeah, I definitely think that we could see two quarterbacks in this contest, especially like you've said, if Max Brown struggles in any capacity, it's worth keeping in mind how new he is to the position and the lack of you know knowledge of the scheme, like you mentioned, I think can certainly be a factor here. I wouldn't be surprised if Florida were to trim the playbook a little bit just with what he is able to do and, and where he is in his experience as a quarterback. You know, probably someone who's not excellent at going through his progressions just yet someone who may zero in on his first read and i, I don't think you want to risk that against a very talented uh albeit banged up vault uh, you know defense there from from florida state so i, I do think that um this is going to be a, a game that relying on a backup quarterback uh, a redshirt freshman may not be the the best plan for success and you may see florida turn to like you said michael leon um the the guy that has been in college football for what six years now uh, has been at UConn NC state has been in the game before has collegiate experience, more of a pro style quarterback like Graham Mertz, where I do think that he could have a role in this contest uh, that remains to be seen before we fully talk about Florida state here, which we're going to jump into in a minute. We have to talk about the fourth and 17 play that has been under the microscope in Columbia um, Billy Napier was asked about it on Monday as well about what he had seen when he had went back and watched the film, if a, if a better play call would have helped. And I think on Monday you saw a lot of players come out and say that it's on us to execute the game plan. And it was, it was a coverage breakdown. It wasn't on the call. And Billy Napier, like you said, isn't going to throw players under the bus, but from having watched it in real time, um, and the defensive issues that we've seen from the Gators this season, just how, you know, detrimental was that play 
not just to obviously Florida's chance of winning the game, but you know, obviously I think the narrative of Florida's defense, which was, which has vastly changed in the past couple of weeks after the Gators were one of the better teams on third down, looked much improved in many facets, weren't missing many tackles. And now that is entirely um, kind of been thrown out the door here as the season has come to a close. Yeah. I mean, I, Florida's defense has been, as close to a disaster, in my opinion, as you can get uh, at this point in the season. And like you said, it, they did start out great. We, we we had conversations on the podcast, and I'm sure you can go back uh, and listen to just about how we were impressed with Florida's defensive success earlier on in the season. They were performing like one of the better units in the country, especially at home. And then gradually over the course of the, the second half of the season, we saw that success kind of crumble. The unit has gone away from its clean you know, very efficient style of play. Third downs have not been nearly the same strong point that they were for Florida weeks earlier. Fourth downs have been an issue, of course, you know, the fourth and 17. Uh, and, and this fourth and 17 perpetuated a narrative. You know, Florida has struggled tremendously in coverage. It has it struggled tremendously with tackling and keeping track of opposing teams' best players. And this was no exception. You had three guys roughly in the vicinity of, of where Luther Burden made that catch. That's freshman safety, Jordan Castell. Uh, Jaden Hill, Florida's star corner, was also in the region, but not close enough remotely even to make a play. Uh, and then Manny Nunnery, to me, is the real breakdown here. Manny Nunnery, uh, Florida's now starting inside linebacker after an injury to Shamar James, was clearly in a zone uh, a call, zone coverage, and he allowed Luther Burden to get behind him and was kind of caught in no man's land. And that's what created that cushion uh, for Burden, who is a, a superstar. I mean, a, a truly great receiver uh, to find completely wide open grass. And Brady Cook made a good throw and, and he made a good catch. But, you know, it comes down to this for me, Grandma. It, Florida has continuously lost track of the best players on the opposing side of the field, whether that was Malik Neighbors uh, against LSU uh, it happened against South Carolina. That was a high-scoring game. Uh, Georgia's Lad McConkey looked fantastic, uh, and and they didn't even have to contend with Brock Bowers in that game. And now this week, uh, Luther Burden looked fantastic. Theo Weiss also had a huge reception in the game that Florida kind of left uncovered. Fundamental tackling nowhere to be found on those plays. Uh, and it, and it brings me to this point. You know, there is something to be said for having the defense in the right call, and the execution is not there. I think that that's important to at least acknowledge. And in this case, it feels particularly true to me. I think that Florida probably was in the right call in terms of it played a weak rotation zone. Uh, you know, Billy Napier, I guess, didn't like uh, when it was phrased this way, but, but you know, the APs, Mark Long referred to it in a press conference as sticks defense. I think that was an adequate uh, description of what Florida was trying to do. Just don't let them convert on fourth and a mile. Uh, and, and, and they weren't able to do that but I don't know that that comes back to an Austin Armstrong thing uh, as much as it does to individual player execution, which a guy like Austin Armstrong can't, he can't execute for you. Now, I will say this, though. Execution, at the end of the day, is a reflection of coaching. Now, is that Austin Armstrong's coaching? In part, I think it is. Is that Corey Raymond's coaching? I, I think in part it is. I, I would say that, you know, that there's no shortage of fault here across the board. I think Florida's players deserve some of the blame uh, for not executing what I thought was a fine play call that should have been able to prevent a fourth and 17 conversion. hundred percent that's on the players. 
the lack of preparation for such a play where you have Manny Nunnery looking completely confused. Uh, Jordan Castell doesn't crash down onto the receiver. Jaden Hill stays out too wide and they create this cushion. Is that, you know, a fundamental coaching error, an issue? I would say it is as well. And so, you know, Billy Napier after the game said specifically, and I think it was, you know, accurate. This is an everybody problem. This is an organization issue. It's coaching. It falls on me as the head coach. It falls on Austin Armstrong as the defensive coordinator. And it falls on the players who admitted the same thing as well, like you said, uh, when we spoke to them on Monday. And so uh, it, it's a horrible play. You, you, you can't allow that to happen. Uh, it, it turned what I thought was was genuinely a pretty good night for the Gators into a disastrous night, you know, a night that people are going to remember for all the wrong reasons, and, and rightfully so. Uh, and, and Florida will have to address those things in the offseason, whether that's shuffling around some things on the coaching staff, which is a topic you and I have discussed now many times on this podcast. You know, we think that there's shuffling necessary uh, and, and also shuffling within the players. I, I think that we'll see some attrition from the guys who are currently on the roster with remaining eligibility. Uh, I think we'll see Florida try its best to be aggressive in the transfer portal, although I'm not sure uh, exactly what that turns into just after last season's performance in that area of recruiting. And then of course uh, there are some very talented freshmen who are set to make, uh, you know, their entrances into the Florida program this spring or summer. Uh, and I think that could make an impact as well. But the, the moral of the story here is that devastating way to lose unacceptable way to lose uh, and, and really speaks to the struggles this unit has had this season and the struggles that Florida will have to address in the off season. Yeah. I think you summed it up very well there. I really have nothing else to say to add to that whatsoever. Uh, I think it definitely is a problem with not a simple answer. I know people may not want to hear that, but that's the reality of the situation here. And, and I think all Florida can do is get to the off season and continue to address the issues that we have seen throughout the season. And that evaluation period will happen very soon. But before it does, the Gators will take on the Seminoles on Saturday in what Florida is hoping is not the final game of the 2023 season for the program, still looking to secure bowl eligibility and get for a young team those much needed practice sessions that Billy Napier and coaches around the country talk about as being very vital um, supplemental development time for your program, especially one that is right around, you know, uh, about to finish with a losing season if it does not secure that victory over the Knolls. And, you know, this team certainly could use it. But in order to get that, they're going to have to defeat a very talented FSU team. We're going to start with just FSU's offense. I know it's going to look a lot different than it would if Jordan Travis were in there. But obviously, Tate Rodemaker, an experienced quarterback, has spent some time in that system, a, a guy that they feel confident in as well. And they have weapons around him, whether it's Benson, Johnny Wilson. Uh, Jacob, just what threat does this FSU offense pose to a you know, sticking with Florida's defense here that we just talked about, a defense that has had no shortage of issues over the past month. I mean, what are you expecting to see out of FSU's offense? I, I think that this is a really interesting game for this group just because of the situation it has at quarterback. So much of what that unit does revolved around Jordan Travis's ability to create with his legs, whether that was rolling out of the pocket uh, and creating some space and separation uh, for off-schedule plays or simply using his legs to get down the field by himself and, and, and avoid the pass altogether. That was a very significant part uh, of, of what they were doing. And so you lose that, you're a completely different team in my opinion, but it does not take away 
from the weapons that Florida State has. I think if you remove the quarterbacks from the picture on both sides of the ball, this is a contest that is even more favorable for the Seminoles who have a better team outside the quarterback. I think that you take you know Jordan Travis away and the things that Mike Norvell has put in place to make that team the success that it has been this season uh, still remain. They don't go anywhere. And so, uh, you know, you look at guys like Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman, two excellent wide receivers. Uh, I can see them posing problems for Florida, regardless of who's trying to deliver passes to them. Uh, you know, this is not uh, a defensive unit like we just said a second ago that has proven its ability to stick with and handle, you know, talented wide receivers. And I just named two. And so, you know, we've seen also that, when opposing teams are able to get into these two wide receiver uh, sets in that they're targeting these two guys heavily, Florida struggled with it even more. Duos have not favored the Gators just because there's no way to really shade the coverage. You have to pick and choose your battles. And Billy Napier has spoken to the problem before against LSU. He said, you're picking between evils at this point. You're trying to hope basically that the, the, the side of the field that doesn't have the strength is going to hold up to the degree necessary to at least stay you know, in the game from an offensive standpoint, and that will be a challenge. So uh, I I think that this is a Florida State offense that is going to have success. Uh, Its offensive line has performed well enough. Its receivers have been, you know, are talented. They're quick. Keon Coleman really looks excellent. Johnny Wilson has a knack for the spectacular. Uh, You know, he always has throughout his collegiate career. Uh, I I, I personally think the unit is going to look fine. I don't know that it's going to be as explosive as we may have seen in the past because you obviously are removing – their X factor, their best player. Uh, but I still think that they should be okay. Tate Roadmaker, uh, quarterback, Billy Napier is very familiar with him. Uh, you know, I'll give a shout out to, to Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times, wrote a fantastic story uh, on Tuesday, November 22nd. I highly recommend you check that out. Just on the connection between the Napier family uh, and, and the Roadmaker family, uh, they're very close. It sounds like Billy, uh, you know, allegedly sent a text uh, to Tate's father after he played against Louisville last year for the Seminoles. And so, uh, you know, Billy Napier is familiar. And he said that that Tate might be, you know, not getting the credit he deserves for the talent that he has. Uh, and so I think Florida State should be just fine. Uh, will it be different? Yes. Will it maybe not necessarily look as potent? I think also yes. Uh, but at the end of the day, Florida's defense is simply too porous, uh, in my opinion, to, to slow down FSU to the rate that's necessary. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I, I definitely think that, you know, that's that's an offense that's not just Jordan Travis. I, I really have been um, adamant about that. If you've talked to me, you know, around um, the beat and, you know, even on the message board at swamp247.com, obviously I, I wasn't 
the most high on Jordan Travis of the quarterbacks on Florida's schedule. I'll leave it at that. And I think that this is a team that is certainly capable of having success without him. I think it's going to be an absolute challenge for Florida. Um, you know, I, I think that there, there's no other way around it, especially with having uh, a redshirt freshman quarterback filling in for Graham Mertz. You know, Florida, I think, is going to struggle to execute on offense um, just at, at an efficient rate, even though we have seen this this unit make some strides uh, over the course of SEC play. One of the you know better statistical defense or you know offenses um, in the league here. But now turning to Max Brown, just what do you think that that is going to look like, Jacob? Just you know briefly before we give our keys to the game, just how much do you think Max Brown? I know you, we touched on it earlier. How much do you think he's going to be able to do um, for for this Florida team? Yeah, it's a it's a solid FSU defense, especially up front if they have everybody back and healthy, which it sounds like they could. I think Fisk is going to play. Uh, he's a guy Florida fans should be at least loosely familiar with after Florida seemingly pursued him uh, in the transfer portal over the offseason. Uh, it's a it's a unit that I think will be able to do enough, Graham. I, I think that with Max Brown at quarterback, FSU's defense has been solid enough that if you can defend the read option, and this will be a key uh, to, to the game for me in a second here, if you can defend the design quarterback run plays, the keepers, uh, it puts you in a position to win the game if you're Florida State. I'm not sure that Max Brown uh, is there yet as a thrower. Uh, I, I think that he has progressed and come a long way over the course of the last year but I wouldn't be remiss to come onto this podcast and, and, and tell people that this is going to be the guy. You have nothing to worry about. He's going to come in and look fantastic. I don't think that's the case. And I don't think it should be the expectation either. And I think that that's a really important distinction. This is, I would, I would go as far as to call this an unfair situation for Max Brown. It's one that he's you know required to deliver in and, and Florida, you know, has him as the backup quarterback for a reason, but he is also the backup quarterback. He is not the starter. And, and, and there is there are challenges that come with that. And when you're facing a defense that is going to be able to get after the quarterback, especially with an offensive line like Florida's that has struggled when healthy and looked even worse when not healthy, which is the state it's currently in, I, I, I personally struggle to see how Florida's offense will be able to find its footing in a quick enough manner to really keep this game competitive. And, and by that, I mean... I think we're looking at a contest that could become two possessions rather quickly and stay that way. Uh, I think that Florida State's defense in terms of its ability to cover is okay at best. But to me, it comes back down to whether or not Max Brown will be protected for and whether or not he's going to be able to get to those routes through his progression, whether or not Florida will be able to actually be aggressive down the field or be limited like we saw last week to a degree to some of these short yardage type, uh, you know, at the line or behind the line of scrimmage passes. Uh, I think we saw last week pretty emphatically, actually, that you know, it, it Florida when it gets shut down in its short yardage game, it can look kind of ugly. Eugene Wilson had seven catches last week for just 23 yards, eight of which came on a touchdown in the first quarter, and those were Florida's only first half points. They scored 24 of their 31 points after halftime. Uh, Missouri did an excellent job of shutting down Florida's first half game plan. You remove Graham Mertz from that situation, insert you know a very young very inexperienced backup quarterback who, like I said earlier in the show, has no real power five game experience outside of a fourth quarter appearance after, you know, Graham Mertz got hurt. Uh, to me, it sets up to be something that's going to be a real challenge. Could Florida win it? Could Max Brown's legs, I think that, you know, and I'll, and I'll get into that more in a second here, but could his legs 
be the X factor that allows the Gators to, you know, really cling on or even maybe sneak out a win in this game? Maybe, uh, but I wouldn't bet on it. And so I think that, you know, set your expectations uh, relative to who's going to be playing uh, on both sides of the ball and their strengths and weaknesses over, over a season's, you know, body of work. And I, I think it's pretty clear who should be the favorite. Yeah, I agree with that absolutely here. I think that, uh, you know, we'll obviously give our predictions here in a second before we give our keys to the game. But, you know, it brings me back to when Anthony Richardson was called in to start his first game under Dan Mullen um, before Billy Napier got here. And even though, you know, he ended up, I think, showing that he could do a lot more, that was a tall task for a guy to enter his first game on a short week's notice um, and and start against a formidable opponent. I think that that is something that Max Brown is going to have to deal with here, just facing a top five team while he's looking to, you know, still improve and still develop behind the scenes here. I, I think that that is absolutely going to be a factor in this contest, his ability to do so. But there's little doubt in my mind that, um, you know, who the better team is. But I'm going to give some keys to the game here that may show where I'm thinking um, a little bit more here. Um, I'm, before I turn it over to you, I'm going to say my first key of the game is just everything at stake for Florida and the home field advantage. You know, Florida, I think, has been a lot better team at night at home this season here. Um, I think that they obviously understand what's at stake from senior night, from Tim Tebow being back in the swamp to Brandon Spikes being Mr. Two Bits and, and obviously securing bowl eligibility. I think that there's going to be a lot here at stake for Florida. Of course, there's a ton at stake for FSU trying to prove that, you know, they do belong in the CFP and are a legitimate team outside of Jordan Travis. Um, and, you know, they may feel disrespected after those new rankings came out and they found themselves behind Washington. This is obviously a team, uh, you know, a game for which team wants it more, I think, in my mind. And I do think that, that is a big key to this game for Florida is how much can they benefit from everything at stake and from getting home field advantage. And, and number two, before I turn it over to you, is establishing the run around Max Brown. You know, we've seen Trevor Etienne be an absolute weapon. Florida has receivers that they can send in motion that can help out Max Brown and can establish Florida's, um, you know, offense in, in a variety of ways. Um, obviously, he's going to be used in play action scenarios. And I think that using those wisely and creatively are going to be a factor in this game. But Max Brown's going to need some help. Florida's going to have to establish the run if they have any chance of scoring against this FSU defense. I know that may sound obvious, but that is a massive part of this game in my mind is balancing the running game, getting Eugene Wilson involved in the backfield, whatever it takes, they're going to have to help out Max Brown on the ground. And, and that's going to be a massive key in my mind. What are you thinking are some of the keys to this game? Yeah, to me, I'll, I'll go straight into what you just talked about. And that is establishing the run. And I'll add a layer to that, which is that I, I would hope to see Florida get a little more creative in how it tries to establish the run. The traditional run this season has been kind of a fleeting area of success for the Gators. They have not consistently delivered when it comes to the ground game. Like you said, though, there are talented players involved in that aspect of their scheme. And that, you know, Trevor Etienne immediately is at the top of that list. He's been fantastic. Uh, Montreal Johnson is still averaging over five yards per carry this season. So he's, you know, had success that's nothing to scoff at. And Florida has also incorporated some of its receivers in its ability to run the ball. Eugene Wilson has looked good when given opportunities. Ricky Pearsall scored a touchdown against Missouri. As a runner, he is very effective and has been throughout his career when he's able to just take the ball on the ground. And so 
Uh, I, I would love to see some creativity, especially now that Max Brown has to play quarterback in how Florida tries to get its run game going. I almost am curious if Florida is going to incorporate some of the concepts it was able to successfully use last year with a guy like Anthony Richardson. And am I saying that they have Anthony Richardson again at quarterback? No, let's just establish that right here. But there are some similarities in terms of their skill sets and what could make Max Brown successful. And that is his ability to create a new pocket, utilize his legs behind the line of scrimmage, and of course, take off to go pick up some more yards. And so I would love to see how Billy Napier gets creative to try and get his, his quarterback open on the ground, as well as other playmakers around him. And then the second thing is going to be play pass defense. It sounds like a, a simple, maybe even dumb key to the game at this point. But I think so far this season, given the body of work, it, it's pretty fair to say Florida has not done a good job covering opposing receivers who have even a shred of talent. We've seen them get burnt on a weekly basis. And this week does not get any easier with guys, like I said earlier, Keon Coleman, uh, Johnny Wilson in the fold. They are not going to make things easy. Lose them on defense, you know, lose track. And this game could even still become kind of a boat race, in my opinion, uh, with FSU pulling away and maybe even winning by more than two possessions if there isn't adequate coverage. So uh, to me, it, it pretty much comes down to those two things at this point. Uh, are there other factors, of course, uh, but but don't establish the run game and lose track of guys like Coleman and Wilson. Uh, and I think this game's over in a hurry. All right. Now you got to put your money where your mouth is. We are going to predict this game. Again, it's just Wednesday of the week, so still a couple days to go before you can read our official predictions on Swamp247.com. Should be up on the site the morning of the game, so make sure you check that out and see how we actually picked this game. Right now, we're going to give our midweek prediction, how we feel this contest will unfold. Still reserve a right to change it. Make Got to make that abundantly clear, especially when it comes to the score. Where things shake out for you right now, Jacob, how do you see this game unfolding? What is your little bit too early prediction? Yeah, it's not even that early for me. I think that it's pretty clear uh, where this is headed. I think at best, Florida will be utilizing some banged up guys uh, on its offensive line. At worst, those guys probably don't play. Uh, Austin Barber, you and I have said on the board over the course of the week, is not yet practicing. He was in the sling at Missouri, and it sounds like he's still in that sling. Uh, Damian George was banged up against Missouri. Unclear really what his status is going to be. Save those guys play, you know, that would be maybe beneficial to Florida, but it also depends on what they're playing through. And for a guy like Austin Barber, who spent the last week and a half in an arm sling, I struggle to imagine that he's going to go out against a talented Florida State defensive front and be adequate uh, in that contest. And so I, I personally, even with Jordan Travis out, uh, Graham Mertz is out too. I don't know how Florida keeps this within one possession. So I'm going to go 33, 24 uh, Seminoles in this one. Uh, I think, you know, you remove the quarterbacks and you just look at what each team has done this season and who each team has. Uh, and it's pretty clear, you know, which one's more talented. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you about who is the more talented team. I'm seeing this game be a little bit low scoring, just given who is leading each team's offense. I do think that FSU, even when they had Jordan Travis, they weren't a team that was too often putting up 40 plus points. I did think that they were a good offense, but they're definitely a little bit more balanced and haven't really paid, played the, you know, top high speed pace of play that we have seen other teams play, um, including LSU. So I do think that they were, are, are going to win this game. I'm going 24, 17 FSU. I think that Florida does manage to execute on offense under Max Brown at times, but I do think 
that you're not going to see as efficient of an offense. I think that you're going to see some, you know, plays that result in a loss of yards in the backfield, just given the issues on along the offensive line, given the lack of experience in the pocket from a guy like Max Brown. I think that's going to be an issue throughout the night here. I think Florida will be able to get some, some big runs that are going to help them out in keeping it close throughout the game. But right now I do think that this game is going to end 24, 17 FSU. That is going to do it for us on this episode. Those are our predictions. You can let us hear about it in the comments, like subscribe and follow us over at swamp 247.com where we'll have content throughout the rest of the week and into the game on Saturday. But most of all, enjoy the holiday, have a happy Thanksgiving. And for Graham Hall and Jacob Rudner, we'll see you next time.